DiscerningHearts.com and the Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study presents Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. Sharon Doran, along with her husband Steve, are founders of the Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study, whose mission is to actively seek truth and raise up disciples for our Lord Jesus Christ through an in-depth Catholic Bible study. Sharon, who holds two master's degrees in education and in pastoral theology with an emphasis in sacred scripture, is an experienced Bible study teacher for over a decade. She has a passion for scripture that motivates and challenges her students to immerse themselves in God's word and apply his message to their everyday lives. We now begin the Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study with Sharon Doran. Hello to every discerning heart out there who is tuning in today. Welcome. I am so very happy to be back with you today and to discuss our second part of the Synoptic Gospel series titled The Preparation of the Messiah. And we're still discussing Luke chapter one. So let's pick up where we left off last time in the inner chamber of the Holy of Holies where priestly Zachariah is speaking with the angel Gabriel who has not been heard from for a very, 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 long time. That angel, Gabriel, was last heard from in Daniel chapter 9. Let's first listen to an excerpt of Daniel chapter 9, as it was the very last time the people of Israel had heard from the archangel Gabriel, and Zach Priestley Zechariah would have definitely remembered that fact. While I was speaking and was praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God on behalf of the holy mountain of my God. While I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I'd seen before in a vision, came to me in swift flight at the time of the evening sacrifice. He came and said to me, Daniel, I have now come out to give you wisdom and understanding. At the beginning of your supplications a word went out, and I have come to declare it. For you are greatly beloved. So consider the word and understand the vision. Seventy weeks are decreed for your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to put an end to sin, and to atone for iniquity to bring everlasting righteousness, to seal both vision and prophet, and to anoint a most holy place. Know therefore and understand, from the time that the word went out to restore and rebuild Jerusalem, Until the time of an anointed prince, there shall be seven weeks. Seventy years of seven weeks. Now that is 70 times 70 more, or 490 years must pass. Not just 70, 490 at least. And guess what? Time is now up. That's about what it has been when Zechariah experiences a heavenly encounter in the most holy place of the temple as he burns that incense. So let's begin part two of our lecture. The angel said to uh, Zechariah, I am Gabriel. I am Gabriel who stands before God. This is one of God's highest messenger angels and this would have been shocking to Zechariah. I am Gabriel, he announces his name. Zechariah being a priest immediately knows when was the last time that we heard from Gabriel? 
in salvation history. At the time of Daniel, in Daniel chapters 8 and 9, Daniel was a Jewish man living during the Babylonian exile in 586 BC when Babylon took over Judah and sent many Jews into exile in Babylon. And when Daniel was an older man, he was praying at guess what time? Three o'clock. And Israel had been, God had told them by a prophecy to Jeremiah that Israel would be in exile for 70 years. And guess what? The 70 years was almost up. And right as he's praying at the three o'clock hour, when they're offering the incense in the temple, he has a vision and Gabriel comes to Daniel. It's the last time they've heard from Gabriel. And you know what he says, Daniel? I have now come to give you insight and understanding as soon as you began to pray, an answer was given, which I have come to tell you for you are highly esteemed. Therefore, consider the message and understand the vision. Seventy sevens. Seventy sevens are decreed for your people. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. They were supposed to have 70 years of exile. But now he's saying 77. 70 times 7. Why? Because of the promise of blessings and retribution in Leviticus chapter 26, verse 18, where the Lord told the people, if you do not obey me, then I will punish you seven times more for your sins. Now, they had already served 70 years. 70 was just coming up. But they hadn't turned their hearts back to the Lord. And the Lord says it's going to be 70 more then. Seven, seven times more. So 70 times 7. And that's what had gone by. Now Gabriel's there again. It's about 500 years later. Zechariah's in the temple and Gabriel comes. Do you know what this means? Time's up. <laughs> the 500 years is over. Messiah's coming. This is it. This is what Gabriel promised last time he appeared in salvation history. This is huge. And Zechariah knows the minute he announces his name, it's Gabriel. It's Gabriel. It's Gabriel. That means time's up. Proto-Evangelium is going to be fulfilled back in 315 when he said that a woman is going to have an offspring and that offspring is going to crush the head of Satan. 70 times 70, 490 years, that's what it's been. Isn't that exciting, you guys? <laughs> I think that's just the coolest thing. I am Gabriel. The angel reveals his name. The last time he had appeared was at 3 o'clock 500 years ago and the time's up. 490 more have passed. It's 3 o'clock. They're in the temple, and guess what? The presence of God is not in the temple because the ark is missing. And that's where Zechariah is standing when he gets this message. Righteous, old, faithful Zechariah is standing at the turning point of world history. His son is going to announce redemption. His prayer has been heard. He will have a son. He will prepare the way for Messiah, the anointed one. But now, Zechariah... Now, you're going to be speechless. And uh, because you didn't believe my words, he mutes him, and he's unable to speak. It's not all bad, because when he comes out of the temple, you can imagine the people. Something so exciting and so great is happening. He wants to tell him all, but he can't talk. He goes on a nine-month silent retreat. <laughs> it was Ignatian, Father. And when his days of ministry were completed, he went home. And he tells Elizabeth, probably by writing everything down for her, you can imagine his journal. And uh, so they have five months in seclusion to digest this news, He's thinking through all the fulfillments in scripture, I'm sure. And then in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town of Galilee called Nazareth. 
the same angel, Gabriel, six months later, to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph from the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming to her, he said, Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. Now, Mary and Joseph are betrothed at this time. And betrothal in this ancient culture is binding and legal. It is a contract. They are betrothed. That's binding and legal. They have not come together yet. He will prepare a place for her, maybe a room on his father's house, an insula, like in John 14. And then he will come back and get her, and they are betrothed to in marriage. It's a legal binding contract. Joseph is from the house of David. That's important. And he's also from the tribe of Judah. That's important because in our last chapter of Genesis, not quite one from the end, Genesis 49, verse 10, Jacob's final blessing. He said to the house of Judah, the scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until it comes to whom it belongs and the obedience of the nation is his. Messiah has to come from the house of Judah and from the throne of David. And coming to her, he said, Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. Can you imagine this 13, 14-year-old Jewish girl? A better translation is, Hail, Mary, full of grace, instead of highly favored. Some translations say, full of grace, the Lord is with you. And the verb in the Greek is karakotomene, and it means it's a perfect passive participle. And it means that the action of the grace happened in the past, but it is for the present and the future as well. So she's full of grace. She always has been full of grace since the moment of conception, and she will continue to be full of grace. This is huge. Gabriel's really saying, Mary, you are full of grace, and you have always been full of grace. And the church on the feast day of December 8th, the Immaculate Conception, uses the Ephesian reading because it has the same verb tense, karakatomene, full of grace. But she was greatly troubled at what was said, and she pondered what this might mean. And the angel said, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. The Lord is with you. Now, some other characters from last year in Genesis, the very first one that was full of grace was Noah. He found favor with the Lord. And the King James Version says, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Also, Abraham found favor with the Lord when the Trinity visited him, the three angels at his tent. He said, my Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. And he bowed down. The angel has come and said, Mary, do not be afraid. Anytime you hear that in scripture, do not be afraid. <gasps> you better be afraid. <laughs> because every good Jew would have known that many times through salvation history, when an angel is sent to be do not be afraid, it's because a big battle's going to ensue. Something's going to be asked of you. Like Joshua, when he's leading them into the promised land and they're way outnumbered and the Lord says, Joshua, do not be afraid. Be strong and courageous. The Lord your God will be with you. <gasps> And Gideon, don't be afraid of all the Midianites that you have to come up against. Do not be afraid. The Lord will be with you. And Moses, you're going to go against Pharaoh and Egypt and the greatest army in all the land. But do not be afraid. The Lord will be with you. And, and Jeremiah, do not be afraid. I'm with you. And I will rescue you, declares the Lord. So this is battle talk. Do not be afraid. The Lord's going to be with you means there's a battle that's going to ensue. And it's told to Mary, do not be afraid. The Lord will be with you, but she's going to have a big part in this head-crushing thing. This is a battle. 
the offspring of woman from Genesis 3.15 is going to crush Satan's head. Game on, right? Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus. God saves, and he will be great, and he will be called the son of the most high, the most high God. And the Lord God himself will give him the throne of his father, David. It's going to be an eternal kingdom from the house of Jacob, one that lives forever. Wow! Mary, knowing scripture, would have immediately thought of 2 Samuel 7, because that's the exact same prediction that was given David. Kingdom, an eternal kingdom is going to come from your own body. It's going to be an eternal kingdom. Mary knows something big is happening. But Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I have no relations with a man? This is way different than Zachariah's question. <sighs> And I, I, I didn't mean that that way, but what I meant is that Mary is intentional about her virginity. John Paul II says she had the intention of remaining a virgin forever. And we say, well, how, does, how do you know that? Because she knew the Shema prayer. Love the Lord God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. And Mary, full of grace from the moment of conception on, had given her all to the Lord. Everything was his. She has no plan of ever being with a man. She is all for God, all for the Lord, all for her bridegroom, the Lord. Joachim and Anne, her parents, had an immaculate conception graced by God to keep this vessel holy and pure because she's going to contain the living God within her body. Hail Mary, full of grace. Karakatomene, before, during, after. You're full of grace, always. God has chosen her a special vessel before the beginning of time for this destiny, for this call. The Lord has set her apart solely for this purpose, solely for himself, and she joyfully surrenders and says, yes, 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 with joy like a lover. Like the Song of Songs, he is her bridegroom. She has given him her all. So how can this be? I'm a virgin, and I'm all for you, Lord. And the angel said to her in reply, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be born. He will be called Holy and Son of God, to be overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. The Greek word is episkieo to be overshadowed. Listen to this. Remember the ark they carried around everywhere. In Exodus 40, the cloud, that's the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit, covered the tabernacle of the meeting. This is where God would meet Moses. God would meet man. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. God's glory cloud overshadows and fills the tent of the meeting where God is going to meet humanity. Same thing here. Mary is the new tent of the meeting. God's glory cloud, the oh, the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow her and fill her. This will be the meeting place of God and man incarnate in her womb. She's the new tabernacle. She's the new covenant. And Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting because the cloud rested above it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Chaste St. Joseph was not able to enter the tabernacle of the meeting. Do you get it? Because the cloud rested over her and the glory of the Lord filled her. She is the new tabernacle, and the Lord remained with her. The Holy Spirit was in her being. 
She was full of the Holy Spirit. She was full of God. So Joseph's not going to enter that. And God's going to give him the grace to do that. And the Pope, Paul IX, in 1870, declared St. Joseph to be the protector and defender of the Catholic Church. Mary is the mother. Joseph is protector and defender and the most chaste spouse. Mary says, I do not know man. And Pope John Paul said, in the Greek language, this present text verb has a permanence or a continuity. She has no plans to know man. She is set apart solely for the Lord. And behold, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month. For her who was barren, nothing, nothing, nothing will be impossible with God. It's one of my favorite lines in all scripture. If you are in a desperate situation with a kid, a spouse, a situation in your life, nothing is impossible for God. Nothing. Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Be it done unto me according to your word. And then the angel departed from her. And then there's a visitation. God has visited his people. God is within her body. During those days, Mary set out and traveled to the hill country. In haste, she hurried to a town in Judah where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the infant leaped in her womb. And Mary, filled with the Holy Spirit, cried out in a loud voice, Most Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. She knows by the power of the Holy Spirit. Mary is the only blessed woman in the New Testament. And there are two blessed women in the Old Testament. One is Jael. Jael, if you remember, helps redeem Israel because she woos Sisera, the Assyrian commander, into her tent and gives him warm milk and lets him take a nap. You'll be safe here. And the minute he's asleep, she drives a peg through his skull and crushes his head and kills him. And Israel is saved. Blessed be Jael. Blessed be Jael. The other blessed woman is Judith. In Judith chapter 13, same thing. Israel is at risk. The whole thing could be lost if it wasn't for Judith. She takes a sword. She woos Holfernes into her tent, feeds him some nice curds and whey and a little, uh, little drink. And when he sleeps, she slices off his head. Blessed be Judith. Blessed be Judith. These women are blessed in the Old Testament because they are head crushers. (laughs) Do you get it? I didn't make this up. This is the continuity of the Old and New Testament. We just have to have eyes to see and ears to hear. Mary is a head crusher. She cooperates with God's plan. She bears the offspring who will crush the head of Satan. She is the true mother of all the living. She is the new Eve. And how does this happen? That the mother of my Lord, Elizabeth knows this is a king. He's my Lord. She bows down. The mother of my Lord should come to me. From the moment the sound reached my ears, the infant leaped. Blessed are you who believed. Mary had faith. Mary believed what was spoken to her by the Lord would be fulfilled. Mary is the new Ark of the Covenant. Mary goes with haste to the hill country. This is the same hill country that David went with the Ark. 
on the way to Jerusalem. David leapt before the ark. Same verb, Luke knows it. He danced with all his might before the ark of the Lord because inside the ark was the presence of God. In the same hill country, when they meet, John the Baptist leaps in his womb because he's before the presence of the Lord in Mary's stomach. He's, she's the new ark. And the presence of God is within her womb and John leaps in his mother's stomach. This old ark is not to be touched. It housed the true presence of God. When David was going, one of his men accidentally tripped and accidentally touched the ark, Uzzah, and he was struck dead because he touched the ark. You don't touch the ark. The new ark, Mary, is not to be touched. She housed the true presence of God. St. Joseph will not touch the new ark, Mary. God will give him the grace and the virtue to live out the chastity in their marriage. David was afraid of the Lord after this happened to Uzzah, and he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? Same exact words Elizabeth said. How is it in that same location, how is it that the mother of my Lord could come to me, the mother of the ark? That old ark in David's day stayed in those foothills for exactly three months, and the Lord blessed the household where it stayed. Guess how long Mary stayed with Elizabeth? Three months at the exact location, and the Lord blessed them all. Mary is the new Eve. Mary is the new Ark. Mary is the blessed head crusher, and Mary is the queen mother. She is a counselor, an advocate, and an intercessor for us. Mary is not to be ignored. Mary was the first disciple and a model disciple, a perfect disciple, a faithful disciple. And like her, may we bear Jesus to the world with joy. All generations will call me blessed, for the Lord has done great things, and holy is his name. In her fiat, Mary humbly states that her name will be remembered in every generation, not out of pride, but out of humble truth. Mary plays a crucial role in crushing the head of the serpent, Satan. Immediately after the fall of mankind, God in his great mercy told them the first good news, the proto-evangelium, the first gospel in Genesis 3 verse 15. God said to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. God, in his great mercy, promised an offspring of a virgin woman. And Isaiah 7, verses 13 to 14, will echo exactly that. Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David. Is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. This virgin will be most blessed, the only blessed woman in the entire New Testament. She will be blessed because she is full of God's grace, kerikotomene, full of God's grace, and she will play a crucial role in the salvation of not only Israel, but the entire 
human race. Let's listen now to the Old Testament scripture accounts of the other blessed women who played very important roles in salvation history. This is an excerpt of verses from Deborah's song found in Judges chapter 5 as Deborah sings the praises of blessed Jael. Most blessed of women be Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite, of tent-dwelling women most blessed. He asked water, and she gave him milk. She brought him curds in a lordly bowl. She put her hand to the tent peg, and her right hand to the workman's mallet. She struck Caesarea a blow. She crushed his head. She shattered and pierced his temple. He sank. He fell. He lay still at her feet. At her feet he sank. He fell. Where he sank, there he fell dead. Judith is also blessed in the Old Testament for her head-crushing role in Israel's salvation, which saved the promised offspring of woman. Let's listen. But Judith was left alone in the tent with Holfernus, stretched out on his bed, for he was dead drunk. Then Judith, standing beside his bed, said in her heart, O Lord God of all might, look in this hour on the work of my hands for the exaltation of Jerusalem. Now indeed is the time to help your heritage and carry out my design to destroy the enemies who have risen up against us. She went up to the bedpost near Holfernese's head and took down his sword that hung there. She came close to his bed, took hold of the hair of his head and said, Give me strength today, O Lord God of Israel. Then she struck his neck twice with all her might and cut off his head. Next, she rolled his body off the bed and pulled down the canopy from the posts. Soon afterward, she went out and gave Holfernese's head to her maid who placed it in her food bag. Then the two of them went out together as they were accustomed to do so for prayer. They passed through the camp, circled around the valley, and went up the mountain to Bethulia and came to its gates. From a distance, Judith called to the sentries at the gates, Open, open the gate. God, our God, is with us and still showing his power in Israel and his strength against our enemies as he has done today. When the people of her town heard her voice, they hurried down to the town gate and summoned the elders of the town. They all ran together, both small and great, for it seemed unbelievable that she had returned. They opened the gate and welcomed them. Then they lit a fire to give light and gathered around them. Then she said to them with a loud voice, Praise God, O praise him. Praise God who has not withdrawn his mercy from the house of Israel, but has destroyed our enemies by my hand this very night. Then she pulled the head out of the bag and showed it to them, and said, See here the head of Holfernes, the commander of the Assyrian army, and here is the canopy beneath which he lay in his drunken stupor. The Lord has struck him down by the hand of a woman. As the Lord lives who has protected me in the way I went, I swear that it was my face that seduced him to his destruction, and that he committed no sin with me to defile and shame me. All the people were greatly astonished. They bowed down and worshipped God, and said with one accord, Blessed are you, our God, who have this day humiliated the enemies of your people. Then Uzziah said to her, O daughter, you are blessed by the Most High God above all other women on earth, and blessed be the Lord God who created the heavens and earth, 
who has guided you to cut off the head of the leader of our enemies. Your praise will never depart from the hearts of those who remember the power of God. May God grant this to be a perpetual honor to you, and may he reward you with blessings because you risked your own life when our nation was brought low, and you averted our ruin, walking in the straight path before our God. And all the people said, Amen, Amen. Blessed be JL and blessed be Judith and blessed of all women be Mary. Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. Until we meet again, keep seeking truth. Truth has a name. His name is Jesus and he is waiting to be found. God bless you. Until next time. You've been listening to Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. To hear and or to download this episode, along with many others, go to discerninghearts.com. To learn how you can become a participant either online or in a classroom setting of the Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study, go to seekingtruth.net. This has been a production of discerninghearts.com and the Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study. Join us next time for Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran.